We want to thank you for joining us for our series on the Holy Spirit, Enabling Power. We pray that you will allow God to speak to you in a new way. So sit back and be blessed. First question, if the Holy Spirit is a gift, why do other religions reject it? Basically, it's the same reason why other religions reject Christ. You know, you can only desire the Holy Spirit if you desire Christ first. And no man can come to the Father except by the Son. So it's not you can't it's it's not a thing where you can have one and reject the other. You know, they all come together in one package. So if you deny Christ, you're denying the Father also. And you also deny the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's all in one package. You know, the wonderful thing about the gifts of the Spirit are they are like promises. They are gifts for everyone, for the whole body of Christ and everyone that makes up the body of Christ. And every one of these gifts, they must be desired, first of all. You know, Paul speaks in Corinthians 14, desire earnestly the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you know, when we desire, first of all, the filling of the Holy Spirit, knowing that it's freely available to us, then we can ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us and baptize us. You know, the Bible says that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, then the Lord will give us the Holy Spirit. And why many religions, I believe, reject the Holy Spirit is because they don't have a knowledge of the true Holy Spirit. It's a religion that they're involved in. But, you know, in Christianity, which is not a religion, you know, we have made available to us through teaching and through various ministries in the church a knowledge of an extra experience other than being saved and inviting Christ into our lives. There is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit when we're born again, then there is the baptism, an extra experience when we desire and ask for the Holy Spirit to fill us. And these gifts are to enable us, to empower us, not only to live a personal Christian life successfully, but also to move in the gifts, the various gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, to enabled to work miracles and, and different things that are so desired and needed in the body of Christ. So thankfully, in my own life, there was no rejection of the Holy Spirit. I was open once I came to a knowledge of the Holy Spirit and how it was available and how it can transform and change my life again. I was desiring it. And then I asked for it, and then the Lord wonderfully filled me and baptized me. But I've met so many people who reject the Holy Spirit. And that's because they, many believe that it's an initial experience. When they're born again, when Christ is invited into their lives, they have all of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible clearly teaches of two experiences. So thankfully, um, we can be open and uh, 
desiring and asking for the Holy Spirit and he's here and he's available to fill us. So if you're a little bit sceptical tonight and maybe you've been rejecting the Holy Spirit thinking because of a lack of knowledge of the, the operations of the Holy Spirit and the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit in your life, you know, that can be changed tonight and you can come and ask and be filled and be transformed by the power of his spirit. Let me say this about why religions. Reality is religion is something that man has made up. In God's mm. eyes, there's two categories of people. There's those who are saved and those who are unsaved. God doesn't desire to experience relationship through religion. He wants it through an intimacy, a relationship. So just like has been said tonight, why do other religions reject it? It's because like what Mr. Arnold said, they don't serve God. They don't serve the God that we believe. And therefore they don't need or have the need of the Holy Spirit. Because there's three conditions as we talked about Sunday to receiving the Holy Spirit. It's salvation, faith and surrender. And salvation is um, without the Holy or without salvation there is no purpose for the Holy Spirit. Because the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to help you to live a life that is pleasing to God. So if you're serving another God, another Jesus, another way, then the Holy Spirit's not needed in that situation. So that is why. Amen. Got next question. Anyone else got a question? Okay. Send over there. Um, this was a while back at a youth camp. Um, this was after, uh, this was like a, like a Holy Spirit night. So this was a, an event where young people were filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time. And the pastor at that particular moment after that, he kind of like commanded like the young people that, or the congregation. It's like, okay, speak, stop, speak, stop. I'm, I remember at that time it felt kind of strange. because It's like it wasn't really spirit led. Like, what are your viewpoints on something like that? Just like a, a command, speak in tongues now, stop, do it again, stop. I don't know if... if what I would say to that is this, I can't understand why someone would try and stop something that they want to start in someone's life. And what that can be many times, unfortunately, is men are human, there's the flesh involved, and sometimes people can put on a show and it can almost be, look what I have the power or to be able to do. And it's a manipulation really over people and a control. What really we need to be asking is this, not so just the Holy Spirit to come upon people, but never stop coming upon people. So when you're kind of playing with that, you've got to be very careful with that. I don't see the point in stop, start, stop, start, stop, start the Holy Spirit. There's no scriptural reference for that. There's no reason for that except someone is, is not being spirit-led and it's of the flesh. So I would say things like that. I can't understand why that would be. Anyone? The Holy Spirit always desires freedom to work and move and fill a person's life. And uh, I think one of the biggest oppositions to the Holy Spirit is man. So many times man will get in the way and try, try and control what's actually happening and what the Holy Spirit desires to do. But, you know, when man steps out of the way and the Holy Spirit is allowed to move freely and flow freely, you know, it does its work. He fills, he overflows, he quickens, he changes, he transforms. Cool. Next. Any other questions? 
We've got, um, We've got some questions at the back. If you can. Can you receive the Holy Spirit and not walk in the power of the Holy Spirit? Uh, sure. Uh, life is full of choices, and receiving the Holy Spirit, desiring the Holy Spirit is a personal desire. You have to desire. And the Holy Spirit is not going to force you to walk righteously. Uh, you know, He will only lead you and guide you and just really, uh, he, can't, he won't make you. So, yes, you, you can receive the Holy Spirit. A good example would be uh, James, the third chapter, uh, where it says the tongue is like a fire and that the tongue can speak good things and the tongue can speak bad things. You can go out of this church praising God, seeking, you know, and then five minutes later someone bumps into your car or cussing in front of you and all of a sudden you, you're almost like cursing somebody. So the tongue is... Not like a spring of water. Spring of water is going to give either good water or it's going to give bad water. But the tongue can go both ways. And so you can decide also about your life. Jesus can fill anyone in this place once they're saved and they seek and ask. But it's up to you to follow the direction that he gives. Fantastic. Yes, so the, the answer, you can be filled but not walk in that. And again, it's a choice that you make. Does God want you to walk in it? Of course he does. But it's a choice that we need to choose to make. It's not a magic remedy, but it is a power that we have available if we choose to use that power and we choose to access that power. Any next question? This is just a question of something that I personally struggle with, you know, in the the Bible in the New Testament, it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And there are a number of gifts of the Spirit, one of which is speaking in tongues. I guess what I struggle with is there's so many people or churches and things that seem to promote speaking in tongues as the only evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I guess my question to you is, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Or why do you think there's such an emphasis on that one particular gift versus all the gifts of the Spirit as far as being being an exhibition of having been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is separate to the gift of the Spirit. Um, the gifts, there's nine gifts of the Spirit. One of them is speaking in tongues, but it's not talking about your personal prayer language, which is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. And you'll see that in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 12, that you'll read that. And, and so therefore, such the gifts is laying a hat on of hands, a gift of faith, interpretation. The gift of tongues that it's speaking about there is an edification to the body of Christ, that which should be ushered in a, or presented in a room such as a gathering like this. Then there'll be an interpretation. That's what the scripture speaks about. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not... When you say, it, why is that the only gift that's talked about? The baptism is not a gift of the Holy Spirit or a, a spiritual gift. It's a gift of God, but yet it's a personal prayer language to the believer. Two very separate things um, for the, the believer. Does anyone else want to say anything? Uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I believe, well, tongue is the initial evidence. And I think one of the reasons... 
is James, the third chapter, eighth verse. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therefore, blessed we God, even the Father, and that we curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. The tongue basically saying no man can tame, but the Holy Spirit can. And I think it's kind of unique that God uses the most unruly member of the body, and he shows that this member of the body can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's one of the reasons why he chose uh, speaking in tongue is to show that if we allow him, he can have complete control even under, under with the most unruly part of our body. And I think it's just, uh, <laughs> I think it's his way. One of, the, one of the reasons why he chose tongue is uh, showing us that if we allow, he can be in control. And the Bible speaks also of the fact that spiritual gifts, the nine of them being referenced, are what God chooses to give to people as he sees fit. So it's not a universal that every one of us has in our lives, but we can seek those things it talks about. But the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues is something that is available for each one of us, and God wants that to be in our lives. Next. Okay, I've got two similar questions here, so I'll join them both together. It says, uh, what do you do if you are doing everything to invite the Holy Spirit, but you are not getting this experience that came in this evening? And it runs alongside an email which says, why do some people not receive the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues even after praying for years? If it's a gift, why isn't it given after praying and praying for it? Thank God. A lot of that, well, not a part of it is that if you seek and you don't get, you just keep seeking. And part of the reason why is with most of us, when we get in here by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's basically like a new thing. And because there has been so little teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the last 10 years, uh, there's been so little teaching on the book of Revelation in the last 10 years. And when you have a lack of teaching on any particular subject, you're not going to really have the fulfillment of those dreams, of those desires, because we're living in sort of a, a, a cloud of ignorance. So the more we seek, the easier it is sometimes for us to receive. And Satan will put things in our path to discourage us, to waylay our minds, to, to just get us off the path. But if we are determined, we will receive. And if we keep seeking, we will find. And what I did Amen. was I read every scripture in the book on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> because if you're really seeking something, you're going to search and you're going to go after it. So my thing is, if at first you don't, Succeed, or at first you don't receive, don't give up. Keep seeking. God is faithful. You know, Jesus instructed the disciples to tarry in Jerusalem till they received this wonderful promise. We don't really know how long that period of time was before the Holy Ghost came upon them. But you know, we in the early days, we used to tarry 
We used to have what they call tarrying meetings, waiting and praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I was in a group along, along with several other young people, and uh, we would gather together on a Sunday afternoon in a designated room at the church, and we'd spend time receiving some teaching, and then we would pray together, and then we would hear different ones of that group as they were being prayed over and having hands laid on them, being filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, for about three weeks, I couldn't just receive the Holy Spirit. I don't know whether I was struggling too much or whether I was a little bit stressed. I don't know. But you know, the amazing thing was, what during those three or four weeks, while we were going through this experience of tarrying and waiting and seeing others being filled, I could hear the, the, the tongue of the Holy Spirit in my subconscious that the Lord wanted to give me even before I spoke it out. And I realized that the Holy Spirit was upon my life. I just had to verbalize it. I just had to speak it out with the evidence of speaking in new tongues. But you know, my experience was when I was seeking the Lord, I was so desperate. I so desired it and I was asking. And you know, I believe during those times, the Lord was showing me myself. So many times we're self-conscious. So many times there may be different things in our lives that the Lord wants to take out and remove. You know, the Lord will only fill a clean vessel. He will not fill an unclean vessel. He's always looking for clean vessels to fill. And you know, we can be clean through the power of the blood of Jesus when we ask it to cleanse us and to renew us and to, to heal us and restore us. And you know, not only is the Lord looking for a, a clean, but he's looking for a yielded vessel, a repentant vessel, a loving, humble, submissive vessel to God. You know, the real baptism in the Holy Spirit is something we don't learn. You know, it's, a, it's an experience of being filled with the fullness of the person of God, of Jesus Christ. And you know, in my experience, there is, there is always a perfect time. And... Uh, you know, God's delays are not God's denials. And I want to encourage you, to, as, as, as Amal has said, to keep asking, keep seeking, keep desiring. And just take that step of faith and begin to speak in tongues. It may be one or two words, but you take that step of faith and just speak out those words. Because when you start to speak, you enter a realm of infinity. You enter a realm of God's glory where there's no depth, there's no height, there's no width, there's no breadth to it. You can just begin to speak. And as you speak, more words will be added to that vocabulary. And you'll just flow and you'll just flow and you'll flow. And that was my experience. But you know, I found in my own life that I had more respect for the Holy Spirit when it didn't come straight away, when I had to desire and wait upon it and allow God to deal with things in my own life. So don't give up. God's delays are not God's denials. Remember, the, the three criteria for being filled is salvation, faith, and surrender. And just keep doing those things. I wish I had an answer why, because I know some people have been searching. But like Arnold, my dad, like we've said so many times before, if you haven't arrived, you never will if you stop arriving. So just keep trusting, keep believing. Don't say, well, it's not for me, because that's a lie. It is for you. Yes. 
It is for the whosoever. It is for you. So don't say, well, I guess it's just for them and it's not for me. I guess it's not my time. I guess God doesn't love me. That's all a lie. Read God's word. He loves you. Read God's word. It's a promise for you. So don't believe those lies. Keep seeking, keep asking, and you're going to discover it. And it may not happen at the front because you don't have to have hands laid on you. It can happen in your car, in your bed, wherever you're at. Keep searching, keep believing, and you're going to receive. Because every gift has to be received. So just keep trusting God for that. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, when he was addressing the people, when they gathered together because there was such an outpouring, such a commotion, and he spoke to the people and he said, it's to you, to your children, and for your children's children. It's a multiple generational experience that God wants to bring into every life. Cool. Any other questions? Come on, John. Yes, sir. Um, I've noticed in the last 30 years of my life that uh, some people that I've met said they spoke in a known language. Uh, A lady the other day was telling me she spoke in ancient Sanskrit. I did not speak in a known language that I knew of. If it was known, I didn't know it. Is that important? Because I noticed a lot of people, they said, if it's not a known language, it wasn't the Holy Spirit. Again, again, who are we to say what is the Holy Spirit? In our lives, scripturally, when, when the day of Pentecost came, they spoke in other known languages not known to them. And what they spoke was they glorified God with that. So there's been testimony after testimony that I know personally of people who have spoken in a different language that is known towards men. And we can say, well, there's no way there's a language. If you watch some of these shows and just different things, some of the dialects and the languages in some of these countries are not more than a grunt and more than just this. It's not like words, sentences and things like us. So again, I wouldn't get hung up on that. But what do we do see is when it initially was poured forth, that it gave glory to God in different language, in different tongues. Whether that's still the case today in every person, I don't know. But it definitely, to a certain extent, it is a tongue that's known to someone else in a different language. But whether or not, it's a language that's known to God. And that's the most important thing. It's a language that's known by God. Anything else? I don't believe the disciples realized what actual languages, as Pastor Philip has said, that they were speaking in. But the different areas from around the known world at that time who came to Jerusalem understood and heard them speaking in their own language. I had an experience about 18 months ago, an amazing experience. I was sitting in a coffee shop in one of our local towns one afternoon, along with Anne, and I think Anne had gone to the restroom, and I sat there, and just about two or three tables away from where Anne and I were seated, I saw two guys, they looked like Iranian guys, speaking together. And as I listened to that conversation of the tongue that they were, their own dialect that they were speaking in, I was absolutely horrified because I heard words spoken by them that I use and speak in my own language. That was quite amazing to me. I couldn't believe it. I just was totally amazed. So, but it doesn't matter what languages we speak in. Uh, I've known missionaries and ministers to go to different nations of the world where 
British have not turned up. And those ministers have stood up in the power of the Spirit in, and spoke in the known language of that nation, having not had any, any previous experience, and preached the gospel, and thousands of people saved. Yeah. Amen. Next question. Apparently that question was just answered. Come on, cool. Okay, so we've got another one here. Um, does God give us prophetic dreams or visions while we sleep? And if so, does this fall under the category of spiritual gifts? And also, do these dreams give you a glimpse or give us a glimpse of things to come and sometimes even a warning? Uh, Joel, the seventh chapter, it says that your young men shall prophesy and old men shall dream dreams. So dreams are definitely prophetic. Dreams are definitely still alive today. Uh, all I have to say is, uh, is that, gee, <laughs> the dreams, prophetic dreams, anytime we have a dream, okay, it has to line up with the word of God. And if you do have a prophetic dream, I would look into that dream and then I would see if it matches what the word of God says. If it does not match what the word of God says, then I would put it aside. But we do not live by dreams. We live by the word of God. And dreams will either help support it or the dreams we'll turn away from. So anything in life, uh, dreams or prophecies, or somebody laying hand on us and telling us things, this is about us, it has to, be, it has to match up with the word of God. And one thing you've got to understand is when you're talking about spiritual gifts, the idea of spiritual gifts is they are for the body of Christ. So it's to edify and build the body of Christ. So to say that dreaming is a spiritual gift, I don't believe so in that regard. To prophesy and to give something is different to having a dream. And again, you've got to be very careful because we all have dreams and they're not all God. And what we've got to be careful of, I'll say this across the board... Don't ever move, change plans, do everything on just one word. Come on, no. You need the confirmation yeah. of the word. So if you have a dream and, and you dream that the, the dream saying, hey, pack up and, and leave and quit your job tomorrow, you need more, I really believe, than just a dream to go and do that. I believe it's yeah. a confirmation of something that God's already spoken to you. And here's what I use as an analogy. If I really want to tell dad something really important, I wouldn't call Rena and say, Rena, could you tell my dad something important? Or I wouldn't send him an email. And so if I really wanted to tell him something vitally important, what would I do? I would go to him myself. And I really believe that you've got to watch because dreams are great, but dreams aren't God necessarily speaking directly to you. It can be a confirmation, can be something. But I would ask because all these things are great to support and to help but something that first has to bear witness inside of your heart and then that confirms or doesn't confirm. So just be really careful with that because you kind of get kind of crazy and it's weird and it's spooky. The Holy Spirit's not crazy. The Holy Spirit, God's not weird. He's not kind of this out of body, woo, kind of. It's, it's, he's a God of order and he does things right. And he's not going to make a spectacle in that regard. So just be very careful with that. We have examples of dreams in the Bible where God specifically spoke to warn 
to give direction, to give information. And I believe that they are the best prophetic dreams that can be dreamed. And I would certainly love a few more of those dreams in my life. And I think that, uh, and I'm not going to rule it out, but I believe possibly you're going to see a, a lot more of that because that is prophesied in the last days. That we're going to dream dreams. We're going to see visions. Because God is going to pour his spirit out in such a way. And it's his choice, whatever and however he wants to visit you. It can be in the church, listening to ministry. It can be through the night when you're asleep. But if it's a God thing, you will know without a shadow of a doubt that God spoke to you. And you know what? It's not going to be outlandish. It's not going to be crazy. It's going to be something that is direct, something that is of a truth and a certainty that you can hold on to. Amen. Next question. One of the email questions. How can you encourage your spouse to pray? If he or she, for example, is embarrassed to pray at dinner with the kids. I would say pray four more times than what you would speak. In other words, pray about it, pray about it, pray about it, pray about it, and maybe talk about it. Most of that's going to be accomplished through prayer. Because if you talk too much about it, you just run a person away. And, you know, when it comes to spiritual things, uh, it's going to take the Holy Spirit to really push that person forward and really entice them to go forth. And if you're trying to get them to pray at the table as such, a good way to handle it maybe is to get the kids to pray. And sometimes the parents will receive more from the kids than they would their spouse. So when they see their kids praying at the table, a kid could just uh, honestly just say, Daddy, why don't you pray? Uh, And that could be far more effective than the spouse sometimes trying to encourage. So, but I would say pray about it more often than you would even ask about it uh, or try to entice that person. And let the Holy Spirit do the work. I believe example will build confidence. And uh, if that's not the case, that uh, your wife or your husband, through lack of confidence and through fear, will not do it. If you are that spouse, you know, be the example and you pray. And as you pray and be that example... You know, I've seen it in so many cases. You know, you will build confidence. You will build a desire for your spouse to pray along with you. And not even just praying at the table. You know, spending time as, with your spouse to pray every day. You know, and maybe uh, we've had experiences where, you know, we've, we've encouraged this and we do encourage it for couples, for spouse, spouses to pray together. But, you know, many times there are and is embarrassment with either one of the spouses. But, you know, as one begins to pray, who has that confidence, through example, he builds confidence. And before you know, God has quickened that desire in where that lack has been, and that person's been able to pray freely and confidently and, and become a blessing and become united 
in prayer with our spouse. Just don't force, don't no, force it. No. Don't make them feel unworthy. No. Don't make them feel no. less for no. doing that. Yeah. If they don't want to pray, then you pray. And as Dad said and Arnold said, just by example, create that thirst inside of people and um, just keep believing that God, because again, it's a work that God's got to do. If we could do it, we wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. If we could do it, we wouldn't have needed Jesus to die. We need his help. Just like he helped us, he can help them too. Next question. Similar question to that, just leading on from there. It says, my spouse is pushing me and saying that I ought to want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, this is basically the, the same answer. You, you can't force it on anyone. All you can do is try to lead them. And one of the best things to do is to be in a church that teaches it and a church that, that will create an atmosphere where that person would desire. Uh, a lot of times we just don't want things because we haven't been taught it. So I think that's one of the most fundamental issues. It's to be in a surrounding that encourages the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and we just believe that God's going to have to do the work. You can't force it. All you can do is just help nurture what the Holy Spirit is going to do. One of the blessings of the Holy Spirit is this, that it overcomes timidity and embarrassment. Because the Holy Spirit is a spirit of boldness when you receive it. Nothing will hold you back. You'll want to pray. You'll want to sing. You'll want to do all these things without any hardship at all. I, can't, I don't think and I don't validate whatsoever forcing anyone no. because then they are wanting it for the wrong reasons. They've got to want it for themselves. So encourage. Um, it's the same example where you have people say, I can't get my husband to come to church. What do I do? You lead him to church. How do you do that? By you coming every service, by you being faithful, by you being changed, by, by you being excited. You create a thirst. What do they say? You can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink. I disagree with that. Feed that horse salt tablets and you'll create a thirst inside of them and you'll make them drink. Create a thirst by the working of the power of God in your life, not by forcing the power of God. Because you can't. All you'll do in trying to force it is you'll push them further away. Be a perfect gentleman like the Holy Spirit is. Or a perfect lady. Or a perfect lady. Okay, uh, I think it's awesome that somebody speaks in, speaks in tongues, but I am afraid of doing it. Is that normal? Of course. Uh, I think it's normal, you know, because, you know, it's a, it's a new experience. And, but what's the good part is that the desire could be stronger than the fear. And once that desire is stronger, God overlooks the... The, the, the aggravation or, the, uh, or whatever we feel, the anxiety that we're feeling inside. God overlooks that and sees our faith pushing forward. So yes, I, I, I think it's normal to have a little anxiety, a little fear, but strength is in coming forth to receive. And you've got to realize this, fear many times is because what if it makes me do something I don't want to do? What if I, you've got to realize this, the Holy Spirit comes to give you a power to live a victorious life. There's nothing to be afraid of with that, nothing to fear. In fact, the fear most of the times is, the fear is of, 
that my life's going to change and I kind of enjoy doing this or I want to do this. The fears that we create in our lives many times are the fear of having a new identity in God because those things have become our identity. And even though it's normal to be afraid, we've got to remember this. God's not given us a spirit of fear. That's not of God and it's not how we should live. He's given us power, love and of a soundness of mind. So again... There is times when you can be a little bit, but don't allow your life to be governed by that fear. Push through that because there are greater things available. Don't let fear rob you from what God has, and it's the best, the best, the best. Uh, in my experience, I've met and dealt with many, many people in Pentecostal Christian circles, not religious circles, who have rejected the Holy Spirit because of fear. But, you know, as, 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 as we create a culture of faith and hope and love and peace, you know, as we, as we instruct them, you know, gradually we see the fear dissipating. And we see them opening their hearts instead of rejecting it, receiving it through desire of asking. Have you ever seen a kid? We've got kids in the house, a lot of them. Have you seen a young kid and a dog will come up to him and at first... <laughs> And they cry, they freaked out because it's something new. But what do you do? Oh, it's okay, look, you can touch it. And what happens? It's moments from a scream, a fear. They're they're laughing and smiling. Why? Because they realize it's not harmful, it's not hurtful, it's something that's nice and feels good. And that's what you've got to watch. The initial thing can be, but come on, put your hand out to it and just touch it. Begin to experience it real. It's not to affect you, it's not to hurt you, it's to help you. It's to change your life. It's to be there for you and to give you strength. Any more questions? Time's gone, really. There are a few. Um, I watched the Strange Fire Conference, and they had many questions about the things that we would normally say uh, was the spirit, and they were labeling them as emotionalism and of the flesh. Some even said it was witchcraft. How do we as believers not let things like this conference shake our faith? You know, again, with anything, the Holy Spirit is involved with what? our lives, the flesh. Anytime the Holy Spirit, God, anytime the flesh is involved, there's going to be error. There's going to be room for error. And that's why, as Arnold said, it's so important that we are in a biblical sound environment, that we are taught biblically what the Holy Spirit is, what he wants to be. Because if not, we can get caught up in the crazy stuff and we can be caught up. But there's always going to be things. Every day there's a fear that I could be in a wreck. So what do I do? Do I not get in my car? No, I don't allow my fears to determine my life. So there's going to be crazy people who are going to do crazy things. I can't change that, but it's not going to affect my relationship with God and who he is to me. So we've got to watch that just because someone else is crazy or being said it's crazy and being said it's not of God, that doesn't mean across the board it's been everything's not of God. It's just that manifestation or that action's not of God. But it shouldn't stop me from being what God has still called me to do and living that life and being what God wants me to be. And the other part is anything that's real, that's an imitation. You know, uh, you have ice milk, you have sherbet, and you have the real thing, ice cream, <laughs> made with high-fat content, the real thing. So you have a, you, you just have to learn. Blue bell. <laughs> I love chocolate. So you just have to go for the real thing, but anything that's real in Christ, 
Satan will imitate. Just like you have real believers and you have false believers. So anything, you know, if it's not for real, Satan doesn't worry about it. You know, but if it's for real and it's something great for you, he's going to do anything he can to get you off track. And again, what is the purpose? The purpose is so you won't seek the gifting of the Holy Spirit. You won't seek the baptism. Can you see how enemy, how devil is? He wants oh, to yeah. keep you away. Yeah. So if there's a lot of smoke, guess what? If the buzzards are circling, it's because there's fresh meat there. We need to know what's there. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit for our lives. Well, listen, where you've got real fire, you'll always have an element of wildfire. Because the flesh is always ready to add its pennyworth to it. But, you know, we don't look at the wildfire. We, 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 we look at the real fire. Because that's the real fire was doing the work. Wildfire doesn't do anything. All that does is put people off. All that does is open up for the enemy to come in and spoil the people who are seeking and desiring, you know, this wonderful experience of the Holy Spirit. So, listen, if you ever around where you may see something that you feel a bit uncomfortable with, don't be focused on that. Be focused on the real fire, the real baptism, the real experience. Amen. Amen. One other question. Let's take one more and then we need to close. Okay. Does it mean I don't have the Holy Spirit if I don't speak in tongues? Yes. As in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit in a limited form because we've talked about that. It's the Spirit of God, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that draws man to Christ. One illustration I've heard of this is like the room, like your home. It's like when you get saved, you invite the Holy Spirit into your living room, but you don't allow him access to any other place in the home. But when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you allow complete access to him to come in to envelop you in every area. So you have the Holy Spirit but in a limited form, enough that you're going to get to heaven. Don't get me wrong. You only need salvation to get to heaven. It's not the Holy Spirit that keeps you or saves you in that regard. He leads you to it, but it's the Holy Spirit that keeps you saved. So yes, you do have the Holy Spirit, but that is separate to the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Uh, I agree with what Pastor Pete said, but really I, I want to commend Pastor Pete because very few churches that really take time to teach and preach and promote the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's part of the reason why we, one of the reasons we struggle with it so much at times is because there's a, a dryness yeah. in the land. Yeah. And in order for something to strive, it has to be pushed and it has to be preached. And so I, I think it's, uh, like I said, I want to commend Pastor Pete mm. for that because... I used, to, uh, I used to teach Sunday school, and I purposely looked over the Sunday school books, and I was a Baptist, and I could look for 10 years in Sunday school books, and there would never be a lesson on the book of Acts. There would never be a lesson on the book of Revelation, because there's a dryness there. And until I really start seeking on my own, that's when I begin to see that there was more to it than what I was getting. So not only what Pastor Pete is saying, but also take the time to look for yourselves and, and, and study it. And believe me, God will fulfill that desire.
There's no way you can cover a subject so incredibly awesome and so vast as the Holy Spirit in just the time that we have. But we'll try to give you the nuts and the bolts of it, the skeleton that you can build on that. You can desire that for yourself and you can do that. Let's just all stand together tonight as we close. How many enjoyed that tonight? Was that good? Fantastic. If you have submitted questions, we are going to still answer them. And if you still want to submit questions, you can go on our website. We're going to leave the Q&A portion up on our website for the next through this Sunday. So if you still have questions, please submit those questions and, and we will answer them personally and individually for each one of you. But I thank God today that the Holy Spirit is real. This is a topic that we could steer away from, from a church, because people say it's not a popular subject today. I I just decided many years ago, I'm not interested in preaching on what's popular. I want to preach what we need, what God desires for us to have in our lives. And that is the power of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. And on Sunday, again, we're going to be praying and we're going to believe in that God would fill people and keep believing and keep searching and seeking God. And just as always, we pray that God would save lives and touch lives. And maybe tonight you're not saved. You don't know Jesus. What a great opportunity for you tonight to be able to accept Christ, that you can accept and then you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life because it's that who wants to give you. He wants to give you the victory. Is there anyone here tonight that you're not saved, your life's not right, but you know you want to give your life to Christ? Is there anyone tonight that we can pray with you? Bless you. God bless. Anyone tonight that we can pray for you? Anyone? Let's just lift our hands up right now. In the name of Jesus, we just pray, God, right now. We thank you for everything that was discussed tonight, everything that we've gone through tonight. God, we just thank you for this great, awesome subject, the Holy Spirit. And God, we just pray that you would speak to our hearts and our lives, that by your Holy Spirit, you would minister to us. And God, we pray for those who have not yet been filled. God, we pray that you would fill them, God, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that you would fill them to overflowing, that they would not be afraid, that they would not doubt, they would not be fearful of that, but they would earnestly seek it, God. And the promise is those that seek will find. Those who knock, the door shall be opened. And we just really pray and believe that you would open the door that we could receive. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Shout amen in the house. Thank you for listening to the Holy Spirit enabling power. Our prayer is that you've been challenged in a new way today. If you need anything or just someone to talk or listen, we're here for you. Call us at area code 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us or visit our website at www.hflc.us. And remember, when you put God first, everything you do will prosper.